And you know it's going to be a much bigger conversation than that this morning. It is going to be a joint session this morning. So yes, not only will you get a extremely powerful hour, which we always do every single morning. Well, we have powerful mornings every single morning, but Mondays, whoo, you know, already know what time it is. Mental health and mindset Monday every week. Every week we do this, but today is a little different. And I'll have Coach Jarvis explain that in just a minute. But let's talk about the guys for a second. Let's talk about these powerful men here. Let's start with Dr. Earl Bowen Jr., who is assistant professor in social and behavioral science and the university counselor at the Cheney University of Pennsylvania. He is licensed by the Pennsylvania State Board of Social Workers, marriage and family therapists, and professional counselors. He is also certified in dialectical behavioral therapy as well. Now, Dr. Bowen has completed countless research in the mental health field, so when he's speaking, we got our notepads ready, right? And additionally, Dr. Bowen serves as associate rabbi at Congregation Temple Bethel, located in my hometown, and playoff time in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I know that's important to Dr. Bowen. I had to get that in for a second. Now, to the other powerful brother, Jarvis Jordan, Coach Jarvis Jordan, whose passion is to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed, while assisting individuals with identifying their passion, which leads to their purpose. How does he do it? He does this by being a philanthropist, certified life and business coach, serial entrepreneur, mentor, educator, motivational speaker, author of the phenomenal book, Paradigm Shift Marathon of the Mindset, which we've been on a journey with the last few weeks and brand ambassador for the Irby, a classic men's clothier. Intentional is the word in being an agent for change. As a CEO, he oversees the day-to-day operations of JMJ Enterprises, Situations Media Entertainment, Eclectic Organics, Passion Purpose Coaching, Paradigm Marketing, you name it, he's done it all. He is also the founder of the nonprofit organization Odessa Jordan, established in honor of his late grandmother to offer the youth an ethical foundation while shifting paradigms. Coach Jarvis also serves the community as a youth caseworker and a youth mentor and a great one at that. The cultivating of dreams into reality is his passionate purpose, and both of these powerful men are serving the passionate purpose together this morning inside the power hour that you've loved since the beginning, Mental Health and Mindset Monday. Dr. Bowen, Coach Jarvis, powerful morning to the both of you. Powerful morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Brother Rob. Always good to hear your voice. Let's go, Eagles. Absolutely. <laughs> I told you it's important to Dr. Bowen. I have to get it in there. We'll talk that offline. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So um, we're going to jump right into it. Um, first of all, I want to, of course, extend my um, many thanks to Dr. Bowen for um, joining me in this particular um, extended segment of the Power Hour uh, Mindset Mental Health Monday. As of course you already know, um, I've been doing the journey with the um, book 
that I um, author Paradigm Shift Marathon on the Mindset, where we're going through the 44-week journey, getting everyone pretty much squared away on continuing to cultivate their mindset. So what we've decided to do as, as a brand and um, as a unit, Dr. Bourne and myself, we decided to um, create a more impactful segment that was kind of fostered by um, the one who stands beside me in this business entity, um, Shanice Evans, who kind of pushed us toward this particular um, concept, and we want to send our thanks out for that as well. But yeah. today, um, I want to yeah, big <laughs> shout out. She she's definitely the um, the idea and the thought and the thought behind a lot of the things that are coming out from the Situations Media brand. Her um, the the great brother Rob, not the one not um, Green Machine no more, brother Rob. But um, today, <laughs> we um, in the journey we. We have two concepts that we're going to kind of dive into because they kind of coexist with one another, and um, we're still going through our same journey. As always, I go back through the, the previous um, topics, which was how to win the morning, um, change, creating a positive mindset, courageous mindset, goal-setting mindset, self-trust mindset, um, surrounding yourself with OQP, only quality people. And today we want to dive into you know, the process of decision-making and the process of being proactive versus being reactive. Now, um, decision-making is so big in everything we do because there's a lot of different things that go into the process of making a decision. That would be things of your past that you're allowing to still touch you even though you can't touch it. That could be your upbringing. That could be trauma that you've been through. That could be... um, your religious um, standpoint, that could be a plethora of things. However, in making your decisions, you have to really be conscientious of your emotional intelligence. And I wanted to bring Dr. Bowen in on this particular concept because from the coach's standpoint, we look at decision-making one one way. However, I wanted to speak about how I attack the decision-making process from a coach standpoint. And I want Dr. Bourne to kind of go into the concept from, like, a therapeutic standpoint and being a a therapist, actually being able to speak to people about their decision-making. As for me, in the coaching area, decision-making, I deal primarily with trying to establish a firm, positive mindset in everything. And one of the first things that I do is always tell those that are around me to focus on building you up. You know, I, I have it tattooed on my wrist, so it goes everywhere with me. Um, it's, the tattoo says, no say, say, help them. And that's a, that's the word that describes knowing oneself. And in order to know oneself, you have to make the decision to cultivate yourself in a manner to where you can be the best that you could be in any situation, the best husband, the best wife, the best friend, the best business partner, the best father, daughter, son, niece, nephew. However, you have to make sure you focus on you. And that's how I attack because if you focus on you, your decisions will align with your destiny, with your purpose, and you will set boundaries accordingly because you are cultivating your mindset and you won't allow certain things to come in. However, from your viewpoint, Dr. Bourne, what do you get a lot when you have someone that comes to you and they're um, like a double-minded man, if you will? They can't make a firm decision on something. How how do you attack that? Well, you know, uh, 
Jarvis, and I, I, I want to thank you and also Sister Shanice for uh, this forum uh, and Brother Rob. But, you know, I look at it like I really like your idea of moving from passion to purpose. Wow. I think that's profound because a lot of people that I talk to, they have not really been to the point where they've identified their purpose. And it's like identifying your purpose is like having an anchor. And everything flows from that. Like, you know, setting a goal, we get to that in therapy, but you can't really set goals unless you've established purpose. Because that that's, to me, that's the driving force behind the other things. And so... I just want to reemphasize, first of all, this idea of your your thought pattern of going from passion to purpose, because that causes a lot of people to drift, and they're aimless. They they really go through life still trying to figure things out, and they haven't identified what their purpose is. And so, to me, that's that's like a huge area. And, you know, therapy itself is about looking inward. It's looking, it's not really about blaming other people or projecting some of your inadequacies to others. It's looking at yourself and it's taking responsibility for those things that are within your control that you can change. Now, there are some things outside of that, society, those societal forces are outside of the realm of what we can always impact, but we can impact our thinking. And that's where it all starts. It all starts in our, in our mind. And so uh, for me, and I, I know I mentioned this before on the show previously, is psychology comes from the Greek word, which they got from my ancient ancestors in Kemet, but it really means psyche. Mm-hmm. And that really means translation. It means soul and spirit. And so ology is the study of, so psychology is really the study of the mind, the soul, and the spirit of the person. And that's really what I, what I think is a powerful concept that you've identified. How do you cultivate that, you know? These are God-given qualities that we all have, and what makes mm-hmm. this world so unique is what what I have is unique to me, but what you have is something that's unique to you. The power is that when we start putting these things together, but it all starts with cultivating our mind, and that really gets also into the spiritual realm because it deals with the soul and the spirit uh those things are all intertwined they all go together and i think once you know i think that's one of the the challenges of life is that trying to identify those things and being true to who you are and not trying to emulate somebody else who you know you look around and they it seems like you know bill withers had a song said the other the other person always seems to know the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it, it's, my, my concept with that is be you, everyone else is taken. 
done something. I like that. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I did hear you make mention of something that I think um, we we should elaborate on a little bit because I think it's a it's an obstacle for a lot of a lot of not only our listening audience but a lot of our peers that surround us, and that is the concept of being focused on the things that you can control and not the things that you want to control that are outside of your control. Yeah. So, yeah. I want I want I want to see like what's a what's a good approach to I guess coping or or dealing with things that you can't control and not only dealing with things you can't control but I being able to identify the things which you can't control so that you don't wear yourself down with stress and putting yourself mm-hmm. in a depression depression type mindset and also mm-hmm. giving yourself that energy that causes those around you to behave a certain way outside of your control because they might be falling victim to something that they don't know, but they're actually bleeding on you. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. we how, how do we conform like a strategic approach to things like life is gonna life every day, no matter who you are, no matter where where you come from, your background, where you live, life is gonna life. That's something that you can't control. Oh yeah, you, you can control you though. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the primary focus. However, right. we social media, all of these different things that we have access to, is a gift and a curse because the curse is it gives you a fictitious realm where you think you belong instead of creating a avenue with hard work and discipline and consistency to co- acquire what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know what I find a big a big issue for a lot of people is closure. Like mm-hmm. cause you you talked earlier about you know the past and trauma and all of that. Absolutely. Sometimes what happens is that people need help and therapy and and bringing closure to situations has happened. And bringing closure really means finding a resolution to uh, a a painful situation that happened in the past. It could be termination of a job, stage of life. It could be, you know, a loved one that you lost. Um, It could be a romantic relationship. But the ability to achieve closure gives a person a sense of completion. And so you can't move to that next phase until you have given closure to another situation that may have occurred in your life. The thing about that is that it's not a linear process, um, but you can recognize it once you have have achieved it. It is very, very important that our past no longer impacts what we do in the present and in the future. Um, and so we're able to focus and we're able to now start to move forward and to move toward peace. So I find that a lot of times before we get to therapeutic uh, processes, we really have to go back and resolve some of those painful memories of the past. And that's that's the closure part of it. And I think to me that's a huge area because for some people, it's like writing a book, and I know you, you've written books. Uh, before you can go to the next chapter, you got to close out. 
chapter one or chapter two or whatever it might be. And so I actually help people to bring closure to those situations. And that might mean talking, but sometimes it might mean going back to revisit the situation uh, and working through that trauma, whatever that trauma was, being able to work through it. Um, that's a huge issue that comes up quite a bit. Uh, Absolutely. In therapy, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, it, and you know, um, with opening up this conversation about the decision-making process was so, was so important for, for this um, exchange because in order to move to the next step of the process, you have mm-hmm. to be able to understand and govern your decision-making because one decision can be the cause of changing your trajectory or propelling you towards your passion and your purpose in life. So you have yeah. to be very, very focused on that because the next step of the process, we talk about being proactive versus being reactive. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I say a lot, um, Dr. Boyne, a lot of the times we as individuals, we get mad at other people because we put them in a position that they either didn't deserve to be in or they're not equipped to be in. And mm-hmm. then we turn around and hold them accountable, hold them accountable. Our, yeah, right. for our bad decisions. That's mm-hmm. being reactive instead of being proactive. In therapy, how important is that concept for you? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's huge um, because once you're in a reactive mode, it, can, it, it, it tends to just perpetuate reactivity. So you've got to really, and then actually it starts with what you said earlier about changing your mindset. Mm-hmm. But if you're continually in a reactive mode, you, that means you can't move forward. It's like driving a car in reverse. Uh, you're not going to be moving forward because you determine what gear you're going to, you already put that gear in reverse. It's going to go in the opposite direction. So in order to move forward and to get get out of that reactivity, you've got to be able to move in a forward position. But you also have to be able to perceive um, other people in terms of the communication. And I give you probably a typical example of that, um, of, of reactivity. And this, this is just in a romantic, uh, in a relationship. And so one of the partners says to the other one, you never hug me. Now to a reactive, uh, formation would be to say to that person, well, you never hug me. Right. That's reactive. But responsive means what that person is really saying is, I I really need a hug. So instead of being reactive by saying, you never hug me, you respond by going over and giving that person the hug that they really want, but they didn't come out and say that. So you can see how being reactive escalates situations. Mm -hmm. So what you really want to do is to be responsive to whatever that situation is that's coming up and not reactive because it's it's only going to take you, not only you back, but if you're in a relationship, it's going to cause other communication mm-hmm. problems as well. Uh, so I think uh, for a lot of things that I do in therapy is getting people to actually role play situations um, just to say, like, you know, this is what I would do in a typical situation. 
And then we just kind of turn that turn the turn the clock back and take a look at that, you know, because words, as you as you know, uh, brother Jarvis, these things can have a very um, emotive effect. So you have to also be careful about the words, and sometimes what we say is not what we really mean. So we also have to look at communication which starts with how you communicate with yourself but then that goes out to how you communicate with significant others in your life how you communicate with the person on your job or how you communicate with your children so a lot of these things are interrelated and a lot of it boils down to communication which are really examples of learned behavior so what happens in therapy is we we, have, we focus on unlearning some unhealthy behavior. Mm. But in order to unlearn them, you have to first of all acknowledge <laughs> Absolutely. the behaviors that have been dysfunctional. And so it's kind of moving in that direction as well. Yeah. And even even in even in, in that concept, right? Um, discovering everything you do. I think a lot of the proactive and reactive decisions that mm. that we fall victim to has a lot to do with going back to our first topic, decision making. Yeah. I mean, so give an example of that. Um I went through a horrible relationship six mm-hmm. years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So I have been unable to maintain a relationship 10 years after that, not because I'm not ready for a relationship, but because I'm allowing mm-hmm. something that I can't touch to continue to touch me, which is my past. Mm-hmm. And, and that creates a mindset where you can't be proactive because you're still reacting to mm-hmm. your previous trauma or hurt that you may have went through. In yeah. that moment, it's important that some of the things I quote that you, first of all, forgive yourself because a lot of yeah. the things that you may have went through may or may not have anything to do with you. However, we're supposed to use, utilize that as an opportunity to learn and elevate instead of using it as a crutch and a deterrent. If you use it as a lesson, then you just learn from that past hurt and you apply the things that you learn and the concepts that you learn to your new concept, which really means moving forward, you may need to just start establishing more boundaries. Don't fall in love so quick. Don't give mm-hmm. so much information up front. Don't put yourself in a position where you can be hurt. Put mm-hmm. yourself in that mindset where you showing the exact same amount of love under respect to the person who is giving you that same amount of love under respect. And if they're not, then it's time to make a decision. And mm-hmm. you have to be proactive in that. So yeah, when you, you really get to this, yeah, when you get into that concept where you have um, clients come in and you get the conversation started about unlearning behaviors, that, do you mm-hmm. still go through the, the, the journey of seeing another person's past, preventing them from making effective, effective and efficient, proactive decisions mm-hmm. when it comes to moving forward? Yeah, it's important because, you know, you first have to get back to what was really the root 
what were the costs? Because as you know, where there's a cause, there's an effect. So you've got to get, in therapy, you've got to get the person to be, first of all, they got to trust you enough uh, where they feel comfortable going back and talking about not necessarily what was done to them, but what responsibility did they have in that relationship? And what, and more importantly, what are the lessons learned? Because I don't really see failure as failure. Failure is always an opportunity for us to learn more about ourselves and more about our interactions with others. And so any situation that we've gone, that I've gone through in my, and I've made this, plenty of mistakes, in well, life, uh, it's no, always no. it's always looking at what did I learn about that situation that's going to make me better moving forward. So if it was a relationship, uh, and I had a relationship as well, you know, I was married and divorced and now remarried. So what I learned from that first relationship are lessons that have improved my current relationship. So every situation in life is an opportunity to learn more, more about ourselves and more about how we interact with others. Um, but we have to be willing to to acknowledge that. And a lot of people, uh, psychologically, they use something called projection, which is really projecting what they really feel onto somebody else. <laughs> so they don't take response. So that's, right. that's a typical term is it's, it's just projection and that's all it is rather than looking at what role did I play in that situation how could I handle that differently and what is, how is that going to impact me in the future so it's always about the past the present and the future but the past is important only to the extent that we learn valuable lessons that will make us it's all about getting better it's like it's all a, like I tell people all the time. It's something I plan to talk about next week. It's called perfect. It's called perfectional. Being a perfectionist, perfectionalist. Some people strive for perfection. They get frustrated when they don't achieve it. <laughs> not mm-hmm. understanding that perfection is, is not a destination. It's a process of Powerful. being perfect. So, uh, but that's a whole other story, maybe in some Absolutely. ways. Absolutely. But it's something that I, I see that happens a lot. Um, you know, I, I talk to students a lot, as you know. So they come and they want to get all A's. So they get like all A's, but then they get one B. <laughs> now they're upset because why didn't I get all A's? I'm used to getting all A's. That kind of stuff uh, actually can ex- exacerbate other issues. But anyway. Um, one of the best ways I'll, I'll just say this real quick is, and we can get back to decision making is one of the best ways to help others, other people, to help yourself is to help others. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, uh, Gandhi said that the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, even doing things that are outside of you uh, can actually make things better in your life. Abraham Lincoln said to ease another's heartache is to forget your own. (laughs) 
Oh, Booker T. Washington said the best way to lift oneself is to help someone else. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's all, and we use that, at least I use that a lot in therapy as well, as you people kind of go through this poor me syndrome. We talk about, well, what kind of things can you do that maybe can help others? And how can you use your life as a positive influence uh, despite the things that's happened to you in the past? And if you can get people to make that shift, first of all, like you said, Jarvis, it all starts in the mind. It's changing that mind, mindset, cultivating it. Then you can change uh, how people behave and the quality of life can get better. Um, but people have to believe it. <laughs> It's, okay. A lot of it is belief. A lot of it is belief. And the thing is, that that, that word is, is very powerful because belief is not a concept that you can tell people, I believe it. It's going to show up in your behavior. Because <laughs> if you, All if the you time. Actually, yes, if you actually believe it, you can't I give you a quick concept. You can't tell me you believe in um, health and wellness and your, your health is not aligned with what you're saying. You can't mm-hmm. say you, you believe in a higher power and your your um concepts don't align with that belief system. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of a lot of us um get in using a word that, that is equated to, to more than one thing, relationships, right? Whether it be a, a a religious relationship, a personal relationship, a business relationship, and and you use a word that is big to me and that word is trust. And the mm. thing I want to say in reference wow. to that is relationships <laughs> yeah. move at the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. So when you yeah. go into any relationship, I made a decision to, I um I got this concept from a constituent of mine. And it, it goes like this. I go into every relationship giving everyone 100 on the pool. <laughs> in the beginning, right? In the beginning. It's on you <laughs> to be banged that, that score. And mm-hmm. I will be, and my behavior will be based solely on your behavior towards me. So mm-hmm. that being said, I don't have to hold myself accountable for making a powerful decision that is not aligned because you put me in the space to have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And most mm-hmm. of the time, people don't don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's one of my favorite quotes. Uh, that is one of my favorite. Uh, I, I learned that. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. I learned that when I was, um, you know, I think I think I was probably in graduate school, and uh, I learned that concept how important it is because I was in class with people who thought once they get these letters behind their name, right and they had uh quote unquote arrived and you know the lesson became very clear to me is that people they might be impressed for a minute or two but they're really impressed about how much you care uh rather than you know uh things that you have accomplished um you got to make it about the other person you know it's got to be about the other person uh it has to be about it yeah, I focus on um, what I tell people when they come in. You know, we have 50 minutes. It's really not about me. It's about you. 
uh, and where do you want to go with this conversation? Where do you want to talk? So let's talk about what our agenda should be over the next 50 minutes. Uh, and I use the clock as a guide because sometimes people won't tell you exactly what's on their mind until you've talked for about 40 minutes. Uh, and I might say, like, you know what, we got 15 minutes left, and what is it we haven't really delved into, and what do we need to do next time? But it's, it's a, I mean, I know this is not a topic, but I think this might be something we might want to revisit, Jarvis, and that's communication. Uh, it's, it's huge, you know, in terms of how we communicate and not always saying what we really mean or what we really feel. But saying what we think might be, uh, quote-unquote, okay, acceptable to the other person. So we sort of hide our really our real feelings behind words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one reason why I think people are touched so much about music, because music sometimes can can somehow bring out what we really feel. We don't really talk about, but we, we identify with it through songs. But I think that's another topic maybe we can delve more into later also in different styles of communication. Yeah, we can we can we can jump into it, but I wanna stick here for a second because this is such a power. Because even in decision making, even mm-hmm. in being proactive and reactive, the, everything is kind of a hybrid of one another. So mm-hmm. once you cultivate one thing, it coexists yeah. with the cultivation of another. So Stand on that concept of communication real quick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was once a concept where they said communication ruled nation. I disagree, and this is why. <laughs> what was that concept I, again? I didn't get that last. Oh, uh, com- communication rules nation. Oh, <laughs> okay. okay. I I, did, I, did, I disagree with that concept, and this is why. Because yeah. I can communicate with a plethora of people, but communication that lacks comprehension is no communication. Mm-hmm. So I believe that communication plus comprehension is what is really needed because you can communicate the process of decision-making. You can communicate what proactive and reactive means. But if the person I'm communicating this particular concept to doesn't fully understand the foundation of it, mm-hmm. they're not going to apply it to their lives because they don't see the importance of it. Right, right, right. That is true. That is definitely true. And that creates a barrier, you know, like a a lapse in communication when it comes Mm. to trying to complete something or get something done. And going back to your concept of service, right, Mm. Um, the the quote that you you were giving us, the quote I I stand on is is a quote from Horace Mann. It says, we should be afraid to have lived and died and Uh left a legacy of service to humanity. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Okay. Everything everything that we even what we're doing right right now, this is a this is a form of service. But I'm gonna tell you something else. Because uh-huh. it's deeper for me. This is also coaching and therapy for myself as well. It's keeping me aligned. It's keeping me on point. It's making sure that not only am I speaking these things, but I actually walk these things because I will be less of a coach to be revealing concepts and, and and all of these different things to our original listeners and not actually walking that walk. Oh, absolutely. We have to. And I think that's a misnomer that a lot of people have that 
you know, you re- you've reached a certain point where you have all of the answers. None of us, none of us have all the answers. We're all on this journey, learning, trying to understand, trying to take things to a deeper level about ourselves and how to apply these things in life. Um, so I think it's a, this is a stimulating conversation because, you know, um, what I do is when I go through, like, my daily life, and I think at the end of the day, you know, what what did I learn today about myself that's going to make me better tomorrow? Uh, or what questions do I still have that are unresolved that I need to really get back at tomorrow or the next day? Um, and so we go through life with those with those things, but I think we learn from having these kind of really frank and open conversations with each other because uh, we're all in that we're all on the journey. We're just different paths. You know, your past may be different from mine, but we're all on an individual journey uh, in terms of where that will take us. Absolutely. But, and, yeah. and the thing is about that path, although um, taking it a step further, although our path may may not be aligned as the trajectory as to where we're going, you may mm. be on a path to be a doctor. I might be on a path to be a sports player. At the same time, the foundation of the concepts that Dr. Bourne and myself come to give on a regular basis, it applies because if you focus on you trying to become a doctor, you're going to be the best doctor. If you mm-hmm. do the things of you, if you learn how to govern your mindset, if you learn the process of decision-making, if you learn how to establish boundaries that will prevent you from being reactive versus proactive, mm-hmm. you will be able to maximize your journey, no matter what journey you're on. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. a more purpose-filled journey as opposed to you doing what a lot of us did coming from um, how we grew up. We was taught to go to school, get a job, get a good right. education. Right, right. right. And, and just thinking about that concept, putting that concept right now, our youth is not being taught to go to school, get a job, get a good education. They're looking at social media and all these things as a quick way to make a lot of money so they don't have to go to school, get a good education, (laughs) get a good job. The thing with that is, Dr. Bowen, our youth don't know how to sign their names. Um, It's a large percentage that's below their reading level. Mm -hmm. Money is not going to change none of those things. Well, I see that all the time, um, you know, in the field that I'm in, involved in. I see that. I see a lot of young people who are, I mean, they, they they come to college, but they're not really ready because they have not really um, prepared themselves for that experience. And they really need to find themselves before they can actually delve into uh, some of the academic requirements. So it's so hard to... Um, I think there is a, um, and maybe it's always been this way, you know, a uh, a shift in uh, the cultures from the one generation to the next. As he said, I'm, I'm, I know I'm older than you are, but I think um, generationally we we grew up with some similar values, and yes, I was taught some of those things as well. But I, I've also thought about um, we often define ourselves by. 
our occupation, you know, doctor, teacher, and mm. and um, it was a great story. You may have heard this Bill Russell, the great basketball player with Celtics, was having dinner with a friend, and a guy came over and he said, "Aren't you Bill Russell?" And Bill Russell said, "No." And the guy leaves, and the guy's having dinner with says, "Bill, why don't you lie?" And he said, basketball is what I do, but that's not who I am. So, you know, it was like a powerful statement there that sometimes we define ourselves through uh, these sort of occupational titles. But beyond that, it's the essence of the person, the character, you know, their sense of integrity, uh, the values that they've learned about how to... um, how to treat other people the way you will want to be treated. You know, these things are values that transcend occupation. So if you talk to uh, someone who is maybe a- accomplished in terms of an occupation, but this person has very low values about people, um, then he or she is that same person. They just happen to have some letters behind their name, but they're the same person. And so I learned so many um, lessons about how we actually bring our pe- our young people up. And I think the occupational things are good because that's how we earn a living. But I think some of the values that are about how we treat people, how we interact with people, um, these things are, are sometimes lost. And maybe it is because of, as you mentioned a minute ago, social media, that maybe that's just totally taken the control of the minds of our young people. Um, but somehow I think we've got to get back to the basic value system. I was just about to jump um, in and say that, uh, Dr. Boy. Uh, yeah. With, with that right there, I'm not... <clears throat> I'm, I'm too far ahead of a lot of future. So social media isn't the the ultimate enemy. It's parents trying to make their kids their friends mm. instead of being parents because mm. you, your child only should have access to what you allow them to have access to when they're under your roof. True, true, true. And if we, as you, as you so eloquently stated, and if we go back to the basics, because I was raised by my grandmother, so mm-hmm. I say, I say, when Big Mama left, ethics, values, the core values that we have, we yeah. have all sides, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think know. that we, we, we go back to the days, and uh, and a lot of that rests on the shoulders of my generation. We mm. have to reestablish that because. Your generation and beyond put that in us. So we have to turn around and redistribute it because we have it. We're old enough to know better, but look young enough to coexist with the world that is up today. But yeah. our core values should still remain the same. We see it just when we see a young man not opening the door, or we see a, 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 a mother and a son at the gas station and her son is pumping her gas. I mean, if she's pumping her own gas and her son is yeah. in the car and phone. You know, that should take that as an opportunity to be like, hey, young man, yeah. you let no woman touch no, no gas pump. I don't know if you've ever been taught this, this concept before. However, mm-hmm. this is 
type of love that that person who is coming to have. Yeah, yeah, I think the danger of that too, uh, Brother Jarvis, is that we've lost the sort of basic interpersonal skills mm-hmm. that sustained us as a people, um, which is part of part of our history. You know, we going, we'll be celebrating Dr. King's birthday when I guess a week from today. Um, but what sustained that movement was really people having this sort of idea of being your brother's keeper and Mm -hmm. working together to sustain and to build a movement against uh, oppression. But I think now, um, you know, maybe, maybe young people or others, and part of it is the generation that we've been trying to give our children we didn't have is that we somehow made it in, in life and, we should just enjoy it. Um, but the challenges are still there. I think it goes back to, uh, you mentioned earlier about decision making mm-hmm. and what goes into that. Uh, and it's before you get to that decision making process. There's got to be a couple of steps before that um, in terms of thinking through what are the options but not only what are your options, but what's the consequence. So if you do that, then that's going to probably result in this happening. And looking down that road about uh, identifying these things, that's, to me, before you make those decisions, you have to think through all of the possibilities that could occur as a result of that. Um, And then you have to evaluate. So, Sometimes we make decisions and we realize later it wasn't a good decision. <laughs> but the point, though, that I made earlier is the question becomes, what did you learn? Absolutely. That's going to make that next decision-making process better or make you wiser. Uh, because we're not perfect beings. You know, we strive and we do the best we can with the uh, information that we have. And uh, and we go from there. Um, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. and before before we um we get to the point where we gotta um, close this thing out, I wanted yeah. to give give the the listening audience some just some some quick concepts about decision making that they can write down and um carry with them throughout the course of this week. So I want um everyone to know. So decision making um by just the whole concept of it. It has five different structures. Defining the decision problem, establishing objectives, identifying alternatives, understanding consequences and constraints, mm-hmm. and evaluating alternatives and trade offs. Now for each line item we're gonna give one or two bullet points for what it meant. So for defining the the decision problem, what is the general nature of the problem? What event triggered the situation? Are we imposing any constraints on the situation? What are the underlying elements of the problem? And are there dependencies on other decisions? Those are, those are things to help assist with you with, the, with defining the decision problem. When you establish the objective, you come to the terms of what are your fundamental objectives? The fundamental, the fundamental objective tells you why you care about this decision situation and what criteria you would use to evaluate your alternatives. 
Then you move on to identifying your alternatives. What are your possible courses of action? Understanding the consequences and constraints is the next one. And with that, your consequences may be positive, negative, planned, or unintended. Constraints may include time, resources, available information, ability, etc. But you still have to identify those. And lastly, we always want to evaluate the alternatives and the trade-offs. What do you have to give up when you select a specific alternative? What do you gain by selecting that alternative? I think understanding those five things with decision-making will assist you with making the most productive decision in anything that you do. And one of the things that I want our listening audience to um, to gravitate towards on this week in your decision-making and your concept of being proactive versus being reactive, the first thing I want you to do is be present. Be present in that decision-making process because that is you giving you your undivided attention so that you make sure you make the, the right decision when you're doing anything. And lastly, before I turn it back over to you, Dr. Boyd, I want everyone to know what you think you become, mm-hmm. what you feel you attract, what you what you imagine you can create. All of those is based on your mindset, based on your decision-making, based on what you want to bring to the table. Because at the end of the day, only you can sit down and make the decision that is best for you because there's no one who knows you better. Mm. Well, you know, Brother Jarvis, those those things that you just mentioned are things that I'm taking some notes on myself because I think they're they're so important to to uh, recognize and put into action. Uh, I would add just a few things to, to think about when you're making a decision as well. And I would say the first one was to is to dream, the dream big, you know. So when you're making a decision about something, don't put a limitation on its possibilities. It might be. You're making a decision about going into business or, you know, entrepreneur, whatever it is, dream big. The other thing is to think strategically. Strategic thinking, being a strategic thinker, it means that basically you've already anticipated, as Brother Jarvis said, point A, point B, and point C. If I do X, Y, and Z, this is likely to happen next. So that you're thinking your decision-making is strategic. Uh, and so I would say dream big, think strategically, but also look long-term. So when you're thinking about a decision, don't just think about it in terms of its impact tomorrow or next week, but look long-term. If I make this decision, this is where it's, this is the direction it's going to lead over the next number of years. So think so dream big, think strategically, look long-term. The other thing is to seek alliances. So sometimes in terms of making a decision, you may need to have an alliance with other people who are like-minded, who can actually uh, accelerate that. So also think about alliances that you might be able to make with other people. Um, and then seek peace. Um, because that's also going to be part of 
is this decision going to lead toward a more peaceful life for me? And, you know, in Judaism, we, we have this thing that we talk about, shalom, all the time. It means that, see, that peace is something that we seek, that we move toward. And everything that we do, we seek peace. And so make sure that your decision-making process embraces something that's going to move you closer toward shalom. And then finally, I would just say seize opportunities. Because when you look at a decision that you're making, about to make, look at the opportunities that may already be out there that will inform that decision-making process. So those are the things I would say, dream big, think strategically, look long-term, seek alliances, seek peace, and mm-hmm. seize opportunities. So um, that's all I got to say about that. Well, hey, you know what? The last thing I want to say before we lock in on the peace. Um, yeah. When when you're seeking peace, sometimes, well, for me, it's all the time. In life, you have to really make the decision to choose peace over being right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take credit for that because that's 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 a custom that I that I acquired from Tadeem. When it comes to <laughs> allowing something outside of you to yeah. dictate or determine your behavior, I, I choose peace as to robust dialogue or going back and forth because at the end of the day, this particular concept may change in the days to follow as the information is acquired in a manner where it brings forth the reality of the truth behind it. Yeah. I mean, I can't emphasize that point enough um, because, to me, that's that's the ultimate point is that what, that's what we want to do. And uh, it's something that we have to go after. Like, peace does not just automatically happen. We have to do some things to cause that to happen. Uh, and so, yeah, I like that quote. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said, again, um, Dr. Boyd, this is... Yeah, powerful conversation. Hey, man, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. For the listening audience, um, I think I speak for Dr. Boyd as well. We really appreciate your time, your energy, your effort in trying to be better at being a better you. I just ask that throughout the course of this week, govern the process of decision-making. Learn to be proactive versus reactive and make the foundation of why you're doing everything that you're doing, a concept that defines you being better and being better. Okay. All right. I'm Absolutely. with you, man. We'll we'll talk later, but I enjoy our conversation. Hopefully something we said might stimulate some further thought and uh, hopefully inspiration uh, to others to move on this so. Actually, well, right. well, great, man. Have a good is, week. Is, is you, all the, uh, those listening. Yes, it, well. if, if I can jump in real quick. Oh, absolutely. I knew you were going to do that. Oh, yeah. Brother, <laughs> Rob, you, know, you can always jump in, brother, Rob. Well, absolutely. I can't let you all go that quickly because, for one, does this have to be every quarter? And I ask that respectfully <laughs> because <laughs> – the interaction between the both of you and bringing both 
points of view into play to come to a common goal of wellness mentally and on it, it it's still mentally but even it, it it'll still resonate to physically as well because every concept that it you brought applies. to the table is resulting yeah. in wellness and that's why we need and i tell you the people the people the people said so that we may need this more often the people need this more often <laughs> we need to hear more of these joint sessions of mental health and mindset monday i promise the listeners they were going to have a powerful hour we do that every week but when the both of you get together it's such a different dynamic and i want to say thank you to the both of you also thank you to shanice being the mastermind of this joint session because this has to happen more often this yeah we, I, I i enjoyed every minute of it and i'm sure the listening audience did as well it showed um so i would just like to say i appreciate the both of you every single week and cannot wait to do it again Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be a pleasure to do that, Brother Rob. Yeah, and, now, before y'all, now, before y'all go, I always, Dr. Bowen, I know you don't have social media or anything like that, but, you know, uh, I always ask Coach Jarvis this every time yeah. uh, because he has another show later on this evening called well, AE. Talk about it. Hey, oh, yes. And, um, yes, indeed. And, and um, before I talk about that, Dr. Bowen, I aspire to get to your level because ah, I want to be a way to talk to me. But anyway, so, yeah, tune in later on this evening. Um, as you know, as Rob said in my bio, my passion is to be served and comfortable and comfortable to serve. So I do that globally in everything I do, whether it be personal training, fitness, life coaching, mentorship. Um, podcast, whatever the case may be. So this evening at 6 p.m., you can tune in to a drive of energy with myself and Coach Mel. We talk about the balancing of the male and female energy sources to make sure that you understand concepts and, 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 and obtain tools to create you a better you. So just tune in to us, powerful conversation. You know, um, anytime I grace the mic, I try to provide um, content that is above board. I'm going to over-deliver every single time. So tap in, enjoy the time, and if you want to, to follow me, passion, purpose, coaching on all platforms. And as always, have a powerful week. Absolutely. Powerful week to the both of you. And by the way, you'll be back Wednesday, Coach. You'll be back Wednesday. We got something for you, my brother. It's Capricorn season. You got (laughs) to say it for me. Capricorn season. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be celebrating all Wednesday on the morning machine. It's a tradition here. So you you know you haven't heard the last of them. So we got something for you, Coach. You already know. So Wednesday morning, tune in and tap in.